What's up, everybody? We're going to have a great podcast for you today. It's going to be about Easter, the origins of Easter, how it got its name, and the traditions that are connected to it. And how Is it, it pagan? <laughs> it's it pagan. We will answer that question. But before we get into that, uh, we are starting something new. Most of you that listen to our podcast understand that we are vehemently pro-life, and we stand on the side of life. And so we have decided- In all cases, 100% pro-life. That's right, 100%. And we have decided that- uh, since we do a weekly podcast every week, uh, and uh, pregnancies are measured by weeks, every week we're going to give you an update on on a pregnancy. So if you were pregnant, this would be week one. You wouldn't even know it. Wouldn't even know it. <laughs> you have a life inside you that is is on its way in the sense of being revealed soon. And so week one, conception has occurred. Life has begun in that sense. The sperm has met the egg. It has. And it has settled. So welcome to week one, little baby. And as we go on, we will give you updates uh, every week on the size and condition of your little baby that's being born. It is all of our baby. All of our, you, the listener, and us as well. It's not weird. It's, Don't make it weird. I'm not making it weird. Anyways, so uh, it's going to be a great episode. So uh, it's not about pro-life. It's about Easter. So sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. What's up, warriors? How y'all doing? It's another episode of All Out War. We are so glad that you are listening to us on this beautiful easter sunday what's up rosie hey what's up man how was your easter i was gonna say it was good but people aren't listening to it on easter no but we're recording it on easter yeah and i love easter don't you don't you love easter yeah it's like super important i know being a christian oh wait what's this (sighs) this is the worst lunch i ever had it's the worst your only job is to cook do you not realize I have had diarrhea since Easter's? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a Nacho Libre clip to yeah, kick I off the podcast. Yeah, I was saying I've never heard it before. I've never seen the movie. You need to fix that. You need to watch Nacho Libre. I was watching a movie from 1979 today. Wow. It's called Escape from Athena with oh, Sonny Bono and yes. uh, Roger Moore. Yeah, I remember that movie when I was Good. like 10. Yeah. Showing my age a little. <laughs> You need to watch Nacho Libre because there's many great parts to that movie uh, that are quotable. Okay, and you'll laugh. I think I think you'll laugh. Jack okay. Black really did a good job in that movie. Um, you know what I'm watching now? I'm watching a new Netflix show. Um, it's called Dark Summer. Oh, yeah, you're saying that? Yeah. yeah. Do you like zombie stuff? No. <laughs> no you don't like zombie. Well, I'll tell someone else then. <laughs> okay. Whoever's listening that like zombie, <laughs> you might like Dark Summer. It's a it's a mix between walking dead and world war z i got you so it's got a it's got a see i'm like a horror movie nerd so it's really weird now getting into debates about like zombies because you're like oh they the return of the living dead which is what george a romero yeah who kicked off zombie horror movies those are actually people that died and then were reanimated because of some weird thing like a so virus dead or... coming back to no it's like a supernatural like a thing. Like spa- a spiritual thing. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's one then way you to get, do it. Yeah. And then you get like uh, 28 Days Later, hmm. which was, and I guess, I don't watch The Walking Dead, but I get virus that makes people spread. Right. Or whatever it right. is. Right. Like everybody's got it. 
Yeah. It doesn't activate until they die. Right. So. I prefer the first. Yeah, the first is kind of cool because you, you can't control it. Right. And you don't know how to expect it. Or yeah. Like, or whatever. And it's George. I, I love George A. Romero. Yeah. But the new zombies are pretty good. I mean, this one is actually good. The, the zombie, the thing that I'm not going to give much away, but the, the thing about this, which is makes it much like World War Z, is that they actually chase you fast. Right. Like, as yeah. soon as they animate, and they animate within like, like after they die within like 15, 20 seconds. They like, oh, gotcha. they lay dead there for about 15 seconds. And, and they figured it out now in the show. I'm on like the fifth or sixth episode. Mm-hmm. And they finally figured it out, which to me is like at this point in life, if you don't understand that you have to shoot it in the head <laughs> and you have no time once it dies, if yeah. you don't kill it in the head. And like one guy was just shooting this thing, wasting bullets, just shooting it all over the torso. It keeps coming at him full speed. doesn't even slow him down because they don't feel pain. Yeah. And I'm like, you're an idiot. Headshot. Mm-hmm. It's like, and he got one point where he was behind it and it w- didn't know he was there. He literally was three feet away. All he had to do was put the gun up to its head and just pull the trigger and it'd be done. What does he do? He shoots it in the back. That guy deserves to die. Yeah. In my opinion, they, they deserve to die. Yeah, I would agree. And they can smell you. Like, they, they walk around, they're like, like, they're like, you yeah. know, and like like an animal, and, and they're looking for someone. And, like, so people make noises, and they have great hearing. And it's like a super weird... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. I get that. Yeah, see, I prefer... Anyways. Yeah, I always found in Georgia, like, in the room, the... Return of the Living Dead, uh, Land of the Dead. Well, that was a later one. Uh, can't remember the one. Anyway, all those. It's like uh, they had to outsmart them. Mm. And you, every time that someone did something stupid, they immediately died. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's I what love I like. That. I don't I like The Walking Dead. I tried watching it. Yeah, and I hated everybody. And I'm like, I hope all these people die. This should have been three episodes long where they're like, eh, why don't we go over there? Like, you should have died. You should die. You remember that this podcast was birthed out of The Walking Dead. Yeah, I don't care. The Walking Dead sucks. (laughs) I hate it. It was. (laughs) I I haven't watched the latest season. This is, see, this is why. Don't, hey. Listen to this. This is how the podcast was birthed. That we were so bored watching <laughs> The Walking Dead that we didn't. So there you go. All right. You're, that's a good point. We would rather talk about politics than watch The Walking Dead. <laughs> because it was so dumb and I would get so mad. Touche, my brother. Touche. So do you have a did you know? Oh, yeah. So here, there's uh, a thing called Project Habakkuk. Oh. It was- Like a, the prophet? Yep. It was a plan by the British during this World War II to construct an aircraft carrier- out of piecrete, which was a mixture of wood pulp and ice to use against the German U-boats in the mid-Atlantic. So they could go out further and like almost self-repair because they were made out of ice. That's cool. Yeah. That's actually really cool. Yeah. Wow. Germans did that? No, British. British did that. Wow. That's even more cool. Yeah. Because the Germans seemed the ones that had the technology edge. They did crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. They would be doing weird stuff, having seances and yeah. asking for demons to help them and stuff. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's cool. I yeah. like that. Did you know? Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another live audience. I was going to say, I tonight. hope everyone likes my did you knows. Yeah, everyone loves your did you knows. Yeah. It's like my favorite part of the podcast. Wow. Thanks. Yeah, man. We have a live audience with us again tonight. Uh, Hey guys, how y'all doing? Good, good. Yeah, and we have Matt, aka Fat Matt, 
even though he's not so fat right now. He's looking pretty pretty svelte. But uh, I was... <laughs> what's that? Go ahead. Okay. He's looking pretty good. But uh, Matt is recovering and fighting cancer. And uh, and so, I was gonna say that's why he's skinny. That's why, <laughs> I was gonna go to wow. But he said it. Yeah, uh, that's he agrees. Yeah. yeah, it's not a diet that anybody really wants to go on. Yeah, but uh, but uh, he is he has a GoFundMe, and we would love to let our our listening audience be able to help out with the medical cost of this. And what's your GoFundMe, Matt? All I know is the name of it is Fat Matt Fights Leukemia. Okay, um, I can provide. A link or something yeah to, yeah we'll put guys. it we'll put the um, link in the show notes how's yeah. that so yeah. fat matt fights leukemia a gofundme go there and help him out see what see what you can do even every little bit helps at this point but uh but we're praying for you say say some prayers for him our listeners and uh everything helps right yeah absolutely but we're glad you're here man hanging out with us yeah. hope you have a good time I don't know. I still don't know why anybody would want to sit and listen to us. Neither do I. Slap, <laughs> slap jaws. All right. So let's talk about the podcast. Actually. Okay. So we're... it was actually appropriate. We were talking about Walking Dead when uh, <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about Easter because <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead. He was, you know, uh, this is true. Makes makes dead things alive again. And the big question that a lot of people bring up that aren't Christians when they think about Easter and other other holidays that are recognized by the Christian church are, um, you know, the origins, aren't they pagan? Didn't these come from like pagan origins and isn't Easter a, a pagan God and all of these things. And, um, and I was actually that, that exact question was posed to me earlier in the week, um, by somebody Hmm. and, uh, it made me think a little bit about it. And so I went back and did some research. A, A lot of people, I think, honestly, as, in Christian churches, they get to Christmas, they get to Easter, and they just take for granted that this is what we do. We celebrate Easter and we celebrate Christmas. And there's even a version of Christianity called C and E Christians, which are Christmas and Easter Christians. That's when they go to church. Um, they don't. They don't. They're they're mostly called Americans, <laughs> right? The, the majority. Sadly, I mean, you're right. Yeah. There's a lot American of American evangelicals. I mean, you you and I would say that a majority of our Christian friends are very serious about their faith yeah, yeah. and they live it out. Well, and... we wouldn't be friends with them if they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. we'd be witnessing to them. Like, yeah. but 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 there is a there is a large portion of American culture that it would identify as Christian, but they don't darken the doorway of a church unless it's Christmas or Easter. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that's a whole other different topic. But so I. I wanted to talk a little bit about the origins of Easter, why it's called Easter, and where all that kind of comes from. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it has a lot to do with church history. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the origins of it are deeply rooted in church history that came about around the 500s. And um, so it was within the first 500 to 700 years of the church history is when, we, when it started to kind of take root and be called Easter. So um, I just kind of do a little bit of history, yeah, and we can talk about the pagan deities and all that stuff that are connected to it in a minute too, if you want. But um, so a lot of people don't realize that when Jesus died on the cross and was buried, the tomb that he was buried in was a tomb by the name uh, a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. It was his tomb, and Joseph of Arimathea was actually a wealthy guy. He had a vineyard and a wine press uh, in his property. And so he liked to party. 
Is <laughs> wine and oil, baby. That that's where I mean, those are signs of wealth right yeah, yeah. there. But um he basically loaned his tomb to Jesus and um it, believing the stories that he was gonna rise again. Oh. And um and so he That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you can go to Jerusalem today. In fact, if you follow us on Instagram and if you go look at our uh, Instagram page on the post for Easter Sunday, I put a picture of the tomb in Jerusalem in the garden tomb. That's what that's uh the actual there's two places. Of course, the Catholics have a place that they believe he was buried, and then the Protestants have a place that they believe he's buried. And I believe that it actually is the one where the Protestants are, and I'll tell you why. There's a reason for it. Okay. Um, so when you look at the scriptures, and you have to kind of go to the Bible for this, and then we'll get into our topic. Yeah. I don't... I, no, this I is get good. On, this is good. All right. Keep going. Don't let me get on a rabbit trail. All right. So when you look at the scriptures, it says that when Jesus died on the cross, that uh, they want, they needed to get his body off of the cross and and prepared for burial before the Sabbath started. Yeah. So Nicodemus, who was famous for John chapter three, and he was a Pharisee, he actually went and retrieved the body with another disciple, and it says that they carried the body to the tomb. Now I don't know if you know much about carrying dead weight. <laughs> Of a body, even with two people carrying dead weight, it's very difficult. Mm -hmm. And um, they, the Golgotha, where Jesus hung on the cross, in relation to Joseph of Arimathea, is probably about 500 yards away. Hmm. Um, So, in proximity, it's definitely within walking distance of carrying a dead body. Yeah, you don't want to go much more than that. Yeah, um, without you know some kind of cart or something like that and it didn't say that they had a cart they said that they retrieved the body and the romans were really particular about this they were not going to help you out they weren't going to let you be comforted right. this is you got to remember they looked at jesus as a prisoner um he had no nothing about him that they <laughs> i mean even worse than a prisoner absolutely I mean, he was the worst of they let a prisoner go right a murderer instead of right that's right yeah so so he was taken to he carried to joseph's tomb so i believe it was the one in Jerusalem that I went to. Yeah. Um, and when you go to the tomb and you look at it, um, there's a doorway, and this is what I really love. You can go into it. Hmm. And I walked in and looked in it, and there's a sign that says, why do you look for the living among the dead? Or, or, yeah, and then it says, he is not here, he has risen. Love that. And That's so cool. It is very cool. But what people don't realize is that um, the reason that the church is celebrated, like why we go to church on Sunday is because of the resurrection. Hmm. The Bible tells us that Jesus rose on the third day, so that third day would have been on Sunday, the day after the Sabbath. And so what happened was, is when Jesus rose from the dead, they would meet at Joseph's tomb on Sunday. This is the earliest church services that they had at the tomb. And so there's actually, if you look at the picture, there's actually a part of the tomb right next to the door that there's bricks um, where what happened was is the church was meeting at the tomb, meeting in the tomb. They would gather, pray, worship. Uh, so many people began to gather that they knocked out part of the wall <laughs> so that they could see in, people right. could see in. Uh, and then they eventually moved out of the tomb altogether. And um, and then you see what happens in Acts when they're in the upper room. And so they obviously went from there to someone's home and, and the earliest churches were in homes. So the reason we meet on Sunday for churches is because Jesus rose from the dead. So every Sunday was intended to be a celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. People don't, excuse me, people don't always realize that. 
a lot of people just think it's Sunday is the day we go. It's our day of rest. That's our Sabbath or whatever. And they get all wrapped up around when's the Sabbath and all of that. I mean, you have a whole, the Seventh-day Adventist that right. they completely broke off. That's right. Because of the day that right. the church Right. They chose. say, no, we have to have a day of rest on Saturday. We'll do church on Saturday because that's the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And 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 if you look in scripture on that note, Jesus becomes our Sabbath. All of our striving, all of our work, is it ceases in Christ because of what he accomplished. Well, I was going to say, it goes to, and maybe any Catholic people listening, and uh, we could probably tie it in, <laughs> I was thinking, later on with some news that happened at the beginning of this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a perfect example of tradition and what the Bible actually says. Right. So it's like... Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, going to... Because churches... So just to and not throw all, myself under the bus. I went to Easter service yesterday, last night, they, Saturday night, because you, there's... You sinner. I know. I am. Have you really honored Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> right. Did you really remember the resurrection on a Saturday night? No. No. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I mean, it makes sense as to, and maybe if people aren't aware of like differences and stuff like that, so yeah. one would be putting tradition over it and say that I'm sinning or, you know, doing all these things, I'm not giving proper respect or reverence to right. Jesus when, you know. That's right. Or even, even the same thing. I've heard someone say, like, they were making a case against this and they were Catholic. It just happenstance, but they said, you know, it, it. he was upset that church services or churches will close on Sunday or they won't have as many, like they'll try to do more services so that people could be, or it was about Christmas Eve service. Oh, okay. We don't actually go to church on Christmas Day. Oh. But Protestants, we go to Christmas Eve. Do they have a mass on Christmas Day? Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and that's because like Protestants, at least in, in generally speaking, you're like, you want to celebrate it with your family on Christmas Day. So that's typically... Well, we do Christmas Eve services and stuff like that. I mean, right. among other things, but... Well, when are you going to open your presents? Right. I mean, Santa needs his place too. He needs his time. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, just like getting very upset about the day. It doesn't matter about the... I mean, there's something, but even when we get into the topic of Easter or Christmas, these are arbitrary days that were chosen for specific reasons yeah. and... You know, I mean, the date of Easter changes every year, so. It does. And so and so, this is my next point. So that was a tangent. But. <clears throat> no, that was awesome because you set it up perfect. Good. So when you think about what was happening, the early church was celebrating on Sunday. Every Sunday was dedicated to remembering the resurrection and testifying of the risen Lord. I mean, that was the whole point of it, remembering <laughs> and testifying. How long after – here's a weird question to think about. I'm just – on the spot. Yeah. How long after were they ha- holding services there? Like after Jesus ascended, do you think it was like literally the next Sunday? I think I think pretty well, so here's the thing is that Jesus rose from the dead and then he was for about 40 days and yeah, 40 nights around. he was around and um but it wasn't like all the time he was with them. Right. So I think they may have been there pretty pretty soon after. I think what was happening is word was getting out that this dude rose from the dead so people would show up to see the tomb empty. Right. And you remember they rolled a stone over it. Remember that there was the a seal. The angel came. Yep. Yeah. And there was a seal placed on it by the Roman guards. Oh, right. The penalty by death if it gets broken. You know, so all of these things were put in place, just more proof that mm-hmm. he rose from the dead. Um, and then he exposed himself to the, <laughs> wow, 
He he revealed himself. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, <laughs> that sounded really bad. All right, lightning's going to strike me. Um, <laughs> he revealed himself uh, first to Mary. And I read this somewhere too. Um, this is a little bit off tangent too, but we're talking about it, so it's kind of cool. But um, the, the last to leave the cross was the first who he revealed himself to, which is kind of cool because everyone deserted him on the cross except for a handful of women. Right. And then those were who he, uh, that's who he revealed yeah, himself yeah, yeah. to first when he rose from the dead. So um, anyways, so I think they started meeting pretty quickly afterwards, and I think they outgrew it pretty quickly afterwards within maybe a, a, a few weeks. And then, uh, and and you know, we know that once Jesus w- rose from the dead and it was it was actually in uh, the end of Matthew's gospel, I believe, or it might be in the Acts. I have to go back and look. But um, we know that Gamaliel, who was the main, like this rabbi, mm-hmm. um, he, they were, they said all of Jerusalem has turned to him. What are we going to do? Right. And they didn't know what to do. And so this is after everything. And they're like, everyone's believing these stories that this guy rose from the dead. And, all, you know, and Judas had hung himself. Peter had been reinstated. All these crazy things had been happening. And, uh, and Gamaliel was basically, he spoke as a prophet. And he basically said, look, if this is of God, who's going to stop it? Mm-hmm. But if it's of man, it'll, it'll die, just on die its, out. Yeah, right? die out yeah. on its own. So we don't even have to do anything. Let's just let it be. And I really believe that was the hand of God on that guy. Um, to just keep him from making some kind of, you know, statement that uh, would have. Because, I mean, they could have quashed it pretty quick and then we, yeah. I mean, well, I was going to say, and they all kill him and then the gospel wouldn't have been spread. But obviously people dying <laughs> didn't, didn't, stop, didn't the stop the church. So. It actually spread the gospel, yeah. which is really crazy. So what you have running now, so we, we set it up, we got deviated, now let's set it back up again. <laughs> So you have running parallel with the, so you have the predominant religion in Israel at this point is Judaism. Mm -hmm. And now you have this new birth of Christianity that's kind of running parallel with Judaism. And then you have next to that everything else in the world, which is pagan. And so this is what's happening is you have, you have Judaism, Christianity, and paganism. And they're all running at this, they're all coexisting at the same time. (laughs) Get it? Coexisting. And, uh. (laughs) And so they're all they're all kind of cohabitating Israel and the surrounding areas, and they're just all around. And paganism had been, as you know, uh, paganism was something that was trying to creep its way into Israel from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And we we learned back in Genesis chapter six when we were talking about Nephilim and all that kind of stuff that the Babylonian religion, which is spoken of in Revelation, which will finally be destroyed, the Babylonian religion gave birth to everything that is counter to truth yeah so anything that is liberalism yeah literally yeah anything that's false yeah for real i mean i believe what you say about liberalism about yeah it yeah what is the statement you say about well satan was the first liberal yeah he lied about the truth yeah and he wanted to be his own he wanted to be glorified as you know his own person and there's a whole thing but yeah 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 but liberals are just selfish greed. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, half the people just turned off. A... Yeah. Anyways, so let me just get back to what we're talking about. So you have parallel with truth and with Judaism is you have this uh, pagan religion that's happening. Well, Christianity outgrew Judaism pretty quickly. 
yeah. it began to grow and spread across all of, all of the Western world or the Eastern world there and um, into the Asia and throughout Rome and the Roman Empire. And uh, when you get to about 500 AD, um, that's when you see the entrance to um, these things start to happen with the church because now you have this it, from it becoming this like uh, fledgling new thing to becoming this established. It went from like a yeah a, as like a cultish right like, uh, sect of Judaism right. Certainly, the Jews thought it was a cult, yeah, without question. But it became this established thing. Yeah, yeah. It had doctrines. They they actually had leadership structure within mm-hmm. their organization. They were they were raising money and giving it to help each other, and so it was this thing. And it had opposition um, and all of that. And so when by the time you get to five hundred, is when you start to see things happen. And and it's it's a result. These the reason why we have Easter called Easter at the resurrection, and we have Christmas celebrated on December 25th, as we do today, is because of church traditions that were adapted because of coexisting pagan beliefs, and it was the result of mass mass um, evangelism and conversion. Hmm. When I say mass conversion, I'm going to read you a story here out of church history that will prove what yeah. I'm talking about, but what I mean is that Protestantism... In general, when they do evangelism, it's a personal thing. It's like, if I'm going to share Jesus with you, it's a personal thing. Like, Mm -hmm. you recognize you're a sinner, you recognize you're separated from God because of your sin, and you recognize that Jesus was given as a sacrifice for your sins. You make a decision based on those facts that to, to believe the history of the truth of Jesus dying on a cross and raising from the dead, and you decide to follow him. You put your faith into that work on the cross. It's a personal decision that you make. Yeah. And I know a lot of our Calvinists hate that wording, decision, because it <laughs> seems like you have a part in it. But that's the best way to describe it um, for me. And so the other side of it is, is you have this mass conversion. And ba- basically what I mean by that is that Constantine, when he when he took over Rome, he, he basically announced that Christianity was the national religion. Mm-hmm. And he did the very thing that we didn't want to have happen, but it was the very thing that we needed to have happen as a faith because we were getting killed off. Because hmm. the emperors before him hated Christianity. They hated what it was doing, even though it was bringing all kinds of help and hope and, you know, good... Blessings. Yeah, blessings yeah. to them. Um, so... Um, <laughs> So mass conversions were kind of the yeah, and the result of that were some of these pagan things kind of intertwining with with the history and tradition of the church. So can I read something, please? Okay, cool. I don't want to just take all the time. No, but, no, no. So this is um, this is about uh, the gospel among the Franks. The Franks were the German, the Germanic area mm-hmm. up in there. So you know where you get your like, yeah, your Franks. Anyways. <laughs> I was trying to think of a funny thing, but I couldn't think of any. So <clears throat> listen to what it says. Uh, Roman Catholic influence began in the northern half of Gaul among the Franks, and the one tribe destined to greatness in the shaping of Christian Europe, the founder of the nation was Clovis from five, 481 to 511. So he didn't even live for a terribly long time. It says, who was the first barbarian chief of any importance to convert to Orthodox Christianity. It happened that he was married to a a Burgundonian princess who was a Christian. 
uh, Clothidia was <laughs> Clothilda was her name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not going to get mad at you trying to pronounce those names. Right? <laughs> yeah. Clothilda often spoke of Clovis about about the one God who created heaven and earth and out of nothing and had fashioned man. Clovis replied, "Nonsense." But when their first son was born, he allowed the child to be baptized. The baby died in its baptismal robes. Clovis blamed the baptism baptism for this, but Clothilda rejoiced that God had taken a soul directly to heaven and eternal bliss. Another son was born, baptized, and fell sick. Hmm. Clovis claimed that the baptiz- baptism would kill him also, but the mother prayed, and he recovered. Then, in a battle with the Almanian tribe, Clovis was on the verge of total rout. He cried out, Jesus Christ, Clothidia says that thou art the son of the living God, and thou can give victory to those who hope in thee. Give me victory, and I will be baptized. I have tried my gods, and they have deserted me, all of them. I call on thee, only you save me. The king of Almania fell, and his army and his army fled, and Clovis returned and told his wife, Clothidia, what had happened. She summoned the bishop of Rhymes, and I love what the bi- the bishop is beast. This mm-hmm. guy was beast. I love what he tells this guy, Clovis. She summoned the bishop of, bishop of Rhymes, who exhorted the king to renounce his gods. Yes, holy father, said Clovis, but my people will not consent. However, I will speak to them. He did... And with one accord, they renounced their German gods. The baptistry was hung with tapestries and fragrance candles flared, and aroma of incense filled the shrine with a fragrance so great that many thought they were actually outside for the baptism. Clovis advanced like like another Constantine to the baptismal font, and the bishop said, I love this, the bishop said, bend your neck. Worship what you burned and burn what you worshiped. Hmm. I love that. It's like give up the old, take the new. Like he used to burn, burn it. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Bend your neck. I mean, that's just beast. Yeah, he's looking at a warrior, a king, and he's telling him to do that. He's talking to him like a little, like worse than a little kid. Yeah, like he's he's like yeah. get in line, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and listen, to this. it says uh, he says thus the king was baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Three thousand of his army followed him into the baptism. That's awesome. Okay, so I love that story, first of all. It's cool. This guy was responsible for basically leading Germany into Christendom, but was it real authentic conversion? And this is my whole point about when you have massive uh, conversions where they, because of a king, they do it, did they really know the personal God? Did they really know Jesus personally? Did they really surrender their faith and understand what was happening? It's like imposed Christianity because it, now I love that 3000 followed him. It, it says a little bit about his leadership and all. Yeah. Um, but as I re- as you read on in the church history, so it's talking about mass conversion. It says, this is evident in many instances, starting with Clovis himself. Jesus was for him a tribal God, a war God. The Franks especially remired admired St. Peter, whose noblest exploit in in their eyes was his eagerness to wield a sword and protect the Lord Jesus himself and slice off the ear of the high priest's servant, Malchus. You guys remember that when they came to arrest him, he chopped off his ear. Um, It says, this admiration for militant religion is also also reflected in St. George, a military saint who became the patron of England, and St. James, the patron saint of the Christian Spain in their struggle against Islam. 
the saints in their particular assignments may well have meant more to the people than Christ himself. St. Anthony took care of pigs. St. Gaul looked after hens. St. Apollonia, whose jaw had been broken in persecution, was the one who could cure your toothache. St. Genevieve cured fever, and St. Blaise was responsible for sore throats. For almost every human need, these slightly converted Germans would would find a saint to meet their need. Hmm. So, uh, you know, what I'm saying here is that you have these mass conversions, and what they do is they come into Christ, and they don't leave their old life. They bring all of their culture with them into their Christianity. Yeah. And so they're carrying these pagan gods and these pagan belief systems into their Christian faith. And so what's happening is you're having a church that's exploding, but you're having very, very low uh, spiritual IQ, very low doctrinal understanding. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, I was going to think, so that's really interesting, first of all, because to find out that's how saints were instituted that they were just like oh yeah that guy you know <laughs> right yeah you know he got his job broken so if i got a toothache i'm gonna pray to him yeah and uh which is just crazy but i was gonna say at the same time and i'm probably gonna get fall back from that it kind of makes sense if they just take again they're just taking traditions right and they're not putting their they're not grasping the gospel right and maybe they, they probably couldn't read, so maybe the, you know, even the, the bishop dropping that straight badass line, like, you know, <laughs> no. he probably... He meant it. Yeah, but he... Bend but, your neck, but did burn what you worshipped, and worship what you burned. I mean, I but love that. But do you that. think he gave the... Do you think he gave the real gospel to him? I don't know, man. See, that's what His thing, wife was. Well, see, that, see, that's what's so weird, and then, you know, maybe... I don't want to say this is the problem with the Roman Catholic Church and throughout history, but they couldn't read for themselves. Maybe they were getting bad leadership. Dude, you know? that's a whole another thing is that we didn't – this is 500 years. We still didn't have a put-together solid – Oh, that's right. You know, Bible. We obviously had the Old Testament at this point, but, but – and who could read? The, the reading rate at this point. Well, that's what I'm saying. You got yeah. these guys that are uh, barbarian – I mean – Right. You know, you think of, you know, these Germanic, they were like hard dudes. Barbarians, yeah. Barbarians, yeah. So the story goes on a little bit more. Okay, please. Because it leaves Germany, and then they want to get into England. That's Mm. the goal, they want to get into England. And so the king- But they couldn't swim, so that's why, (laughs) that's what stopped them. (laughs) That's right. So the the gospel- They got to find a patron saint of boats. (laughs) Of boats. We got to find a boat saint. Um. (laughs) So uh, it says, in spite of the shallow impact of the gospel among the Franks, so it was they admit that it was a shallow impact. Mm. It says uh, their conversion did provide a passage through Gaul into Great Brit- Britain. Uh, the invasion of Britain by the Anglo-Saxons or the English made hostilities so great that the, any idea of Britons evangelizing the Germans was unthinkable. So they had already had like, again... Early Christian, early church, they had the same problem. You get Jews, Gentiles. Oh, it's a ra- racial issues going yeah. on. So, um, and it says, uh, so what happens is Rome decides in 596, Pope Gregory the Great, he, he was one of the popes, he sent a party of monks led by none other than Augustine mm. to go into England and to, uh, to evangelize and yeah. to establish the church in England. And one of the things that they did is it says that the missionaries who followed Augustine's work 
further north. By the time King Oswey of the late 7th century, uh, the two missionary thrusts converged and Celtic followers of Columba uh, working toward the south and those of Augustine working towards the north. Oswey's queen was from the south and followed the Roman practices, but Oswey had received his Christian beliefs from the north. So they already had like different variances mm. of Christianity. It's amazing that we're where we are today. I mean, yeah. honestly, when you think about it, it's an unbelievable. It has to be that God is real. Yeah. It has to be that Jesus is the only way. But I, I mean, it's funny because, man, I don't want to keep just bashing Catholics because I love my Catholic brothers. But it's just so funny. Like one of these things that they they always say is the Catholic Church was, you know, on Peter, he was the first pope, and we can trace the lineage from there. Yeah. And we've always been the same. We've always been the same. But look at you, Protestants. Now we have, you know, we have one united Roman Catholic Church. Right. And Protestant, there's tens of thousands of you guys. You guys can't, you know, that's what this thing. And they act like it's a new thing. Yeah. I mean, even before Protest the ref, well, this a is, thousand years before the Reformation, they and, couldn't get it right. And this is, you know, they're all there was a rift. There was a big rift, man. You know, the yeah. Catholic Church. So. That's what caused Eastern but I, and I, the point Roman. I meant is even back then when they were evangelizing to new people, yeah, like a hundred miles away, right? They couldn't even agree on what was, yeah, yeah. So, so, so you got the north and the south, right? Yeah. And, and it says, um, so you got this guy Osway and his wife. They're they're at odds with each other. One's a northern, one's a southern. And it says here, it says um, among the points of dispute was the date of Easter. So mm. this is where it gets this is where it kind of ties in with everything. It says when the king had had ended Lent and was keeping Easter, the queen and her household were still fasting. That's enough to ru- ruin anyone's uh, Easter. Yeah. <laughs> um, it says at the synod uh, or the synod, I always I forget. I said it wrong and Dr. Olson on a few episodes back was like uh, it's synod or whatever yeah. <laughs> at the at the synod of Whitby in 664. Okay, so 664 years after the resurrection, mm-hmm. Oswey brought up the matter to it to brought the matter to a decision. The Celtic advocate appealed the authority of Columba, the Romans to that of Peter, to whom Christ gave the keys. Mm-hmm. Is that really so? <laughs> yes, <laughs> he does. Does Peter guard the gates of heaven? Oswey asked the Celtic defender. Uh, he, of course, agreed. Oswey promptly resolved to take no chances of alienating the, the doorkeeper of heaven. He agreed to follow the Roman practices after Whitby and the British Isles moved relentlessly into the orbit of Rome. Hmm. So what happened was Easter was actually a catalyst for the consumption of the dissolving of that of that other of Oswey's northern style of Christianity, whatever the differences were in that. Yeah. And it was probably very pagan is my guess. Mm. The Celtics were very, very pagan. Yeah. Um and so and then it became um this Roman style of Christianity. Remember, this is before the real Cath like established Catholic Church. That, that didn't really happen until like the I want to say eight to twelve hundreds. That four hundred year period really established itself. So we're right up to the point of where it's kind of it's they're, solidifying. They've, they've got everyone knows they've got the power. Yeah, they've got the money. That's the big thing. All the money's going back to Rome. They're building churches everywhere. They're holding the power. They're creating a hierarchical, hierarchical system of leadership. And so what happens is Pope Gregory he he instructs that the church would go into these areas and they would evangelize and build churches and one of the things that they did is because of these massive conversions they were they were bringing in their pagan practices 
with and kind of marrying it to the Christian faith that was already existing. And what was happening is you end up with something like Easter. I was just thinking it's almost like a... Oh, I just had a really good analogy, but I can't. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> this is kind of timely and it may be absolutely silly, but in the same way that like Jesus conquered death, right? If they take their old holiday and then we put our holiday on top of it, it's like we're conquering that holiday. Like yeah. we're we are submitting to it, you know, like you're, yeah, it doesn't really work. It's kind of like when a church has a Super Bowl party. Yeah. at their church <laughs> no that's probably a weekend yeah <laughs> but uh no it's it what it was is they were taking so these pagan practices ran deep yeah you gotta understand that like so it was cultural it, it, but but even more than that they actually believed in these gods mm. um there was one story i was reading in the church history book here where um one of these one of these uh, monks went into this town and he said you need to tear down your altars this is this is an abomination to God, the living God and all that. And they were like, if you touch those, you're going to die, right? If you touch those altars, you're going to die. And he literally took an ax and chopped them down <laughs> and they were waiting for him to die. And he didn't die and he threw the ax down and he said, now who will you serve? So it was almost like they were throwing down, like just left and yeah. right. Like our God's the God, what are you, what's wrong with you? And so these tribes and these barbaric pagan practices, they ran so deep and they believed them with all their hearts. Hmm. I mean, they were committing child sacrifices. They were hoping in, in these gods for their, their crops to be you know, plentiful so that they could survive. This is the, these, are, these are the pagan practices and customs that were in place for thousands of years. And then all of a sudden, this, these group of people, foreigners, come in and they start telling them to tear it all down, get rid of it. And that's why so many of them died. That's why so many early Christians that were missionaries like that were killed because yeah. they would fight for those gods that they believed in. And who knows? We know, you know, through the work of guys like Dr. Heiser and um, other people that, you know, that we know about that there, there are fallen angels that represent other gods to other people and they have a power source behind them mm -hmm. that's some sort of divine power it's not god it's not the one true living god but just like we know there's dark power that works right alongside good power yeah and so maybe they were maybe their dark power was able to do something miraculous that would like convert. Kill, like in that particular instance like someone went to go tear it down that wasn't a christian right or that, you know, some other God and that their God killed him. Yeah. So they learn once and then they're like, well, it happened. Right. He died. Why Why would we ever touch it? Right. And so you wonder why when you get to Book of Second Kings, for instance, yeah. with Elijah calling down fire on Mount Carmel, you know, why would they think that, that fire would come from heaven? To, you know, because they put the sacrifice out there and they were, it was like the, it was like the showdown on the mountain, like which God's yeah. going to rule and like which God's going to burn up the sacrifice. They believed it. They truly believed that their gods, that they were, you know, that they were singing and chanting and dancing for and cutting themselves was going to be able to accomplish that. And I was going to say, you know, when it always goes back to that is again, going, when you understand, you know, the divine realm and that these things I don't want to get too into the weeds of this, but we're grant we're probably given dominion over specific things, like Baal, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. You know, they wouldn't keep sacrificing kids if something wasn't happening. If there wasn't some, yeah, 
you know, you got to think that a <laughs> hundred years of doing it, someone might question like, hey, you know, our crops really haven't been growing. Or, you know, maybe someone didn't, but, you know, if I just can't imagine that they would continue doing it if there wasn't something that actually tangibly came to it. Yeah. Because why wouldn't they go worship a different god? Because they were flip-flopping all the time. They would, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, they, oh, this god deserted us. Why don't we go switch this other one? Oh, this other one is doing stuff. Right. You know, there is power or, you know, I, I mean, it, it's almost like when you... You, you think of when Moses throws down the staff and it becomes a, a snake, right? And it kills the other one. You know, no one was even surprised by it. You know, they were surprised that his his snake killed the other one. But the magicians had been doing stuff. But they had been doing right. stuff. Yeah. Like it was. They actually duplicated a lot of the a lot of the things. You know, right? But, but the the whole point is that this supernatural mindset that stuff happens all the time. Right. Like that was very real yeah you know these things happened miracles quote unquote you know yeah did happen supernatural things happened that's right all the time yep and it's always been about that when you're talking about egypt and you know when god was letting his setting his people free all of the plagues that god that moses pronounced you know through aaron yeah in exodus they were direct fronts to these false gods that the egyptians worshiped right yeah (laughs) even the in the passover was even more because the passover which ties in greatly with Easter, the Passover was an affront to Pharaoh himself because Pharaohs believed that they were divine. Right. And their sons, their firstborn sons, were divine as well to take over the throne. So to kill the son is like killing their God. Yeah. Their future God, Their all of their future was destroyed in that moment. And that's why he let them go. He was like, "That's that was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so... When you see that all along God has always been proving Himself to be greater than all these other gods, so what's what's frustrating to me about it is that we have the moment, the crux of all of those gods being proven in Jesus rising from the dead. So no other gods could done that, could ever do that, and we have to p- plaster on this pagan Easter Ishtar Esther. You know, it has like yeah. three different names. On top of it, let's just call it Jesus and call it Resurrection Sunday. Let's get away from Easter altogether. Yeah. But it's so culturally ingrained now to call it Resurrection Sunday, you almost would be looked at like a third eye. Like, oh, that's, what are you doing? You're some like, kind of uh, you religious freak. Yeah. You know, you fanatic. Yeah, and that's why you know. I, look, churches do what they want to do. If they want to do Easter egg hunts, do Easter egg hunts. I don't care. It doesn't. I did an Easter egg hunt today with my little nieces. Yeah. You know that we took them out and hid eggs and let them find it. <laughs> I was gonna say it's almost like I find this parallel to the old way of the the system that Jesus came and he fulfilled. He, you know, you don't the you don't have to hold to these old laws anymore. I've come. I fulfilled the law. That's right. You know the the thing is, you know, so is it bad? I don't know if we touched on this to culturally as. Americans, is it, you know, is it harming, is it an affront to Christ to, you know, is he getting so mad at us because we're having Easter egg hunts? Right. You know what I mean? Pro- uh, well, they're going to be a big surprise when they get to heaven, they find out he wasn't born in December at all. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks for all those birthday parties, but... Uh... <laughs> Did You forgot my birthday, like every year. It was in September. <laughs> yeah. No, but, uh, but, you know, I was going to say, like, I, I think that you know, culturally, you know, there's nothing wrong with celebrating as Americans of this is just what we do, but it's, 
I don't know. I, I, I'm of two minds about it. You know, yeah. like I think it's harm harmless, and I don't think it's an affront. Well, the to two... do the, like the cultural, you know, like right Easter egg hunts or anything. Even though that there's stuff with, again, Ishtar, who is the you know goddess of fertility, and right. eggs were seen as. So here you go. Maybe I'll get into this. Yeah, let's of, do it. Let's do the, some of the. So Ishtar was this Mesopotamian goddess of war, fertility, and sex, and just really easy. You know, an egg is a really good representation of fertility. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it means life. Right, it gives. It life, holds life. Yeah, it holds yeah. life, and you know. So maybe we won't go into that, but I'm I'm just using that as an example of, you know, it doesn't have to, you know. And it also had to do with like the seasons, like yeah. Easter itself was, S star. I don't know how to, it's E O S T R E is how it's spelled. So I don't know how you're supposed to say that. Ostri. Uh, anyways, she was the goddess of spring. Yeah. And it came around at the same time frame as the resurrection. Here, why don't I just read some stuff about that? Read some stuff. So where Easter got its name, Easter most likely takes its name from the go- the names of goddesses associated with spring, uh, the vernal equinox and renewal. So Eo Austri was the Saxon mother goddess, the source of all things and bringer of new life. Around the same time, uh, Teutonic tribes worshipped the d- dawn goddess Austera, who also represented fertility and rebirth. Other pagan cults and deities played a part in the formation of Easter too. Around 200 BCE, uh, the mystery cult of the goddess Cybele was popular in Rome and its surrounding areas. Cybele, another goddess of renewal in spring, had a lover, a lover named Attis, who was born of a virgin and died and was reborn every spring. That's one of the things. The legend of Attis's birth is also associated with other deities, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, so when Christianity roamed to prominence with these things, you know, so that's where the, it got its name from. We're just cracking open so many. <laughs> Those are things. Coke Zeros, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, to get into the name and even like the date, which any person that pays attention, um, as a Christian, it doesn't even, it's not even the same day. It's not even the 25th, you know, it's not even the 21st of April. Right. You know, so I got something with this. Why Easter falls on different dates uh, doesn't. Uh, it's the holiday aspect is connected with the pagan celebrations of cycle of nature. The vernal equinox marks the time when night and day are of equal length. It is also the mm. celebration among pagan cultures, welcoming the arrival of long days of spring and summer. For Christian Western traditions, Easter is celebrated. So I don't know if you knew this. The Eastern Orthodox do it differently than typical uh western western orthodox <laughs> yeah but yeah all in between everyone other than eastern orthodox right <laughs> so for christians in western tradition easter is celebrated on the first sunday after the first full moon following the the vernal equinox this is a formula set in 325 ce there you ugh, go ad i just read it ugh. ad i don't want to use that common era stuff yeah uh by the council of nicaea which established many points of doctrine for early Christian church. Eastern Orthodox Christians celebrate Easter on a different timetable, though, as much as three weeks later than the standard Easter. So there you go. Yeah. And, you know, like like you were saying earlier, traditions are... A, uh, traditions can be good. I, like, I'm not against traditions, but yeah, yeah. when you when you take traditions and they become a religion or they become 
you know, uh, in place of the relationship of why we do it, then you have a big problem. And uh, like, for instance, right now, like, uh, so Easter is celebrated differently for the Western, anything outside of Eastern Orthodox, because we follow actually the Passover. Right. So when is the Passover going to happen? That's when we celebrate Easter. So uh, that's, we go by the Passover because Jesus was killed on the same day at the same moment that they were killing the lambs for sacrifice for the Passover, which was instituted from Moses after they were pulled out of Egypt from slavery and brought into uh, freedom into the promised land. He said on the, he says, I want you to practice the Passover once a year. It's going to be your new year. It's Mm -hmm. the first thing you do in a year and everything about it is asking for forgiveness from everything you did in the previous year. Right. So it's an atonement for sins. And so when Jesus gives the Passover and he does the Passover meal with his disciples the night before he was arrested or the night he was arrested, he actually says it's a new whole new thing. He says, the old's passing away, basically. This is the bread of my body. It says, it's been broken for you. This is the blood of my new covenant. And he instructs them to do it often in remembrance. So you have <laughs> tradition says Easter Sunday once a year. The church said we do it every Sunday. Jesus said, "Here's Passover uh, meal. I want you to do this often in remembrance of me." But Judaism says we do the Passover feast one time, once a year. Mm-hmm. And you see what's happening? It's going from like a a special occasion of remembrance to a, an actual daily or often. It's a, it's r- literally written into the fabric of who you are and in your life, in your spiritual yeah. life. Which I mean, kind of even goes back to the. Uh, Sundays, the day of the week, right? Right. It's always about right. do it often, you know, that should be, I mean, so the, the Easter. So here's, here's a question. Maybe just go with this. What's more important, uh, Easter or Christmas? The birth as a Christian. Here's just a, just a to me, question. Yeah. To me, it's the resurrection. Absolutely. Uh, because it, Paul says it clearly. He says, if, if Christ did not raise from <laughs> exactly. the dead, then our, we are... Our faith is futile, and we are still in our sins. Yeah, uh, like I don't care when he was born; mm-hmm. he was born. Yeah, that's more important to me that he rose from the dead. Right, because if he didn't rise from the dead, then, then he was just another guy. Right, that's right, and then we don't have anything. Exactly. Right. So to me, that's why Easter is my favorite. You know, traditional church high hol- holy day. Yeah. To celebrate, I love Easter. And number one, you don't have to buy a bunch of presents. <laughs> well, so I was going to say I, it was it was interesting though that uh, I read that it's the third most commercialized or most popular holiday here in America. Really? Like the third most money is spent. Yeah. In Easter, hmm. which is there you go. Yeah, and also too, I mean, this is going to sound really stupid, but I. Like spring is my favorite, uh, my favorite season. Yeah, because it means summer's coming, and I and I really like summer a lot. And so uh, for me, it's wait, wait, wait. So why is spring your favorite? Because summer's it, your favorite. <laughs> no, I no, you got that wrong. You got that wrong. I said I like I like summer a lot. Okay. I said, but spring is my favorite. Okay. Because it's pulling me out of my winter seasonal depression. Okay. And it's getting me to see that, and everything's got life in it, you know, like the trees are budding. The, oh, so it's almost like seeing a, a new life. It's yes, like totally that transition. Yeah, because when you get to summer, you're like, this is this is awesome. It's every day is going to be nice. Yeah, I mean, you know, real 
hot. We're, well, you yeah. you don't like the heat though. I love. The I don't heat. like the heat. I love the heat. Winter is my favorite. The heat is on. Ding, ding, but ding. Yeah, I mean that Sorry. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So continue. Yeah. So no. So uh, like so even like so when you like to summarize kind of everything that we were talking about is that basically the expansion of Christianity and and massive conversions, not personal conversions mm-hmm. of culture, actually instituted the adopting of pagan over underlays for yeah. uh christian traditional things and so um and i even read somewhere that they would even use these to to teach the principles of the of the bible yeah. so they would teach the principles of christ through through the fact that oh you have a pagan god named um you know easter well we have jesus he actually brings new life he created everything and and it all is held in him you it's know? like a good apologetics it's yeah. yeah it's 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 a weird way and so there is some good to it in that way like i don't want to throw it all under the you know under the truck of that but what what's happened is because we've gone so long now it's lost some of its original meaning and people don't and then what i really don't like is when atheists and (laughs) anti-christian people use it against christians as you don't even know what you're doing you're you're worshiping a pagan god no no i'm not okay because the last i remember when i was at church today even Uh, jesus was the only person we said we love and worship right there was no mention of any goddess easter or ishtar yeah i was gonna say i the uh the biggest thing maybe as a point of thing to a listener who might be like, like how you started off. Oh, they're going to say this. They're going to bring it up. And there's this movie that was popularized. I guess this modern, it's the first one that I think I'm aware of that did it in a video. It's called Zeitgeist. Mm. It came out in the early aughts, you know, I don't know, 2000 <laughs> sometime. That's what it, it, aughts? The aughts. You know, the nineties, the oddies. I've never a- heard of that. A U G T, the aughts, zeros. Oh, so that's it. That's well, what it's called. Learn something new every day. There you go. Did you know that that the, uh, the <laughs> decade you know? the decade of the two thousands is called the aughts? You oughta know. Oh, <laughs> no, um, that was nineties, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, I have... remember that was uh, that chick that sang. Alanis Morissette. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's nineties. She was awesome. She's Canadian. Ugh, she was horrible. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, but uh, what I was going to say is, so the zeitgeist goes through, and even, you know, we just read all about the fertility and all this stuff, and, you know, the Easter steals, you know, the, so the, it basically makes this claim, which is really silly on its own. Maybe we do a whole thing on that. But if you watch this movie, Zeitgeist, it says, you know, basically it says every culture, and it goes through like 20 or 30 stories of uh someone that was claimed to been born of a virgin was you know born on december 25th they celebrated this oh, they did right. this he died he blah 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 blah. he's born blah 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 and it's trying to throw in jesus is just another story or you know anything like oh, that from the babylonian story from of, all yeah they, they point to like 20 different ones from all right. over the world yeah and i was gonna say it's easily debunked as most of those things. So um, this is just trying to, to listener who might have heard that sure. who doesn't know how to respond to it. There's tons of videos out there debunking the movie Zeitgeist and the claims in it. Um, but so do some research on that if it really bothers you. Um, but most of them are false 
<laughs> like, you know, they just, they attribute that to some God that was never written down. Yeah. And even at the end of the day, you know, Satan's going to lie to people. So if they had some false God, maybe, you know, in tradition <laughs> and more so even points, if they came before, the, the thing is, these are all ones that came before Jesus. So they're just stealing the same thing and attributing it to Jesus. But Jesus was the only one that actually died, rose from the dead. That's right. So wouldn't Satan want to, like, that's a tactic that he would use that all these other cultures attribute things after. The, you know, it's always after the fact I say that, but yeah. they claim it as fact um, that, yeah, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like, even if other cultures had this tradition that it didn't, he, they never died, they never did die and rose from the dead. It's just tradition. So who cares? Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Right. Like Jesus did it. Right. These other guys didn't. So even if, and, and I was going to say, Jesus could have given, or blah, Satan could have given into the minds of these people when they wrote these stories about someone, you know, that they're looking for. They, they all have this savior figure is going to come and do this. Jesus actually did. Yeah. So don't get, you know, just say whatever. It doesn't, you know, my That's point right. is it doesn't matter. Even if these traditions from other cultures. You know. That's right. And if you really want to blow your mind, just start studying, just open the Bible and start researching all of the words that were prophetic about his first coming. I was going to say, I even read, uh, and I've heard about this from outside sources of the Bible. I think, I think it was Bertrand Russell, who is a very staunch atheist. I'm pretty sure it was either him or Bart Ehrman. Um, I think I think it might have been Bart Ehrman, but I just yeah. saw this uh, quote from him where he he legitimately said, "There's more historical research outside of the Bible, extra biblical historical evidence that Jesus resurrected than any other point of anything else." In, <laughs> An atheist said that, yeah, in yeah. history. Well, yeah, and Bart Ehrman's a weird one, but yeah, he is. Is he was he went to, he, went he was to like Moody, a Catholic. Wasn't he, he went to Moody Bible College. Oh, he was Moody Seminary. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, like outside uh, legitimate atheist that or you know, outside of the internet atheist, you know, the right. neck, neck beard <laughs> people, <laughs> like those atheists, uh, nobody legitimately takes this seriously. And there is, I'm just trying to give hope that there is tons and tons and tons of historical evidence that Jesus died and people saw him. You know, people wrote about people seeing him, like yeah. historians. They're like, yeah, 300 people just came up and they said they he resurrected. Like, well, if you believe the Bible, which it's hard for atheists because they don't, they want to discount it, but right. it, it records over 500, Paul says in Corinthians, there was over 500 eyewitnesses. Yeah, but I'm, I'm just giving more. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good, uh, in a court, if you had 500 eyewitnesses. It's <laughs> yeah. pretty good. That's a slam dunk for, for that one. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I was just trying to give some hope. Yeah. I don't, no. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Don't take it seriously. That's right. Don't let it, uh, so go, pray about it if you need it. Go you... color your Easter eggs <laughs> and go to Christmas Eve services <laughs> or Christmas mass for those, those Catholic friends of ours and, but worship the true living God, Jesus. That's all. Worship him, right? Nice way to end it. Yeah, it up. That's, that's a nice way to end it. That's what she said. That's what, <laughs> that's what okay. she said. All right. <laughs> Anyways.
Huh. <laughs> they, don't even... they don't get to hear the audience doesn't get to hear our, our sound oh, bites, oh but... yeah that's why it's delayed <laughs> hey, th- hey this has been a good one yeah hey man you know what i love in church on easter sunday is when when you walk to someone and you go he is risen and they always say back uh you don't know this he is risen indeed. That's what they say. Oh. <laughs> they say when someone says to you, "He is risen." I would usually say, "Yeah, he is." I don't know. I, I grew up, my. You yeah. would probably go, "Damn straight, he is." <laughs> I, that's what you would say. <laughs> he is risen indeed. He is risen. Indeed. That's right. All right. Hey, thanks for another I'm awesome so episode. Conscious, I'm not knowing that. <laughs> and also with you. Oh yes. There you go. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks, guys. We will catch you next time on All Out War. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you want to know more, you can visit us on the web at alloutwar.us or you can find us on Twitter at alloutwarcast. Hey, thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time. (music) Thank <music> you.